You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. Don't you want to go someplace where everybody knows your name? I mean, you want to be in that place. You want to be a place where you're loved and you feel loved. Because the joy of the Lord is overflowing and touching our hearts. That's the kind of church I want. That's the kind of church I want to be involved in. That's the kind of church that draws people in. Because the Lord's here. And I want to go to your church. We've got something special going on. And what we got is Jesus. We don't have bells and whistles. We don't have banners. We don't have people swinging from rope from the ceiling. We don't have any of that kind of stuff. We have Jesus. The church we attend doesn't need to have all the latest bells and whistles or the biggest buildings and congregations. It needs to have Jesus. Pastor Dave will share today that Jesus is the glue that binds all of us together, making us stronger and united to accomplish His work and spread the hope of His love. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of Acts chapter 1 as he continues his message in one accord. no difference between any of us. There's no difference when we're in Christ. We're all the same. Yes, I have a responsibility. The Lord has chosen me to be up here and standing here teaching His Word. It's a great responsibility. But that doesn't mean we're different. That doesn't mean we are different in Christ. It means we're all the same in Christ. We've all been given the same thing. Christ has not given me any more salvation than He has given you. We've all received everything that Christ could give us when he died on the cross, and when we accepted that salvation, we have it. He's given it to us. The Scripture says he's given us everything for life and godliness through Christ Jesus. We have it. It's just that I've been put in this position. These people had a passion for Jesus Christ, a huge passion. But why shouldn't they? Didn't they see all the miracles that Jesus did? Weren't they eyewitnesses to everything that happened? Most of them had been with Jesus since the very beginning of his ministry. For three years, they followed this man, watching and listening and waiting. But they were together, and they shared the greatest gift of all. They all shared a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Does that sound familiar? Because true believers share that relationship today. True believers can have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We can be united in the same way if we recognize we share the same blood. Wait a minute, I'm type O. Wait a minute, I'm type A. Wait a minute, I'm type B. No, no. The blood of Jesus Christ. We share the blood of Jesus Christ. We share that. And we should know that we are united to Him by His blood. We've become one. Oh, that our church would be like that. Oh, that this church would be sharing a common passion, sharing a common love, sharing a true unity only in Jesus Christ, a unity that all Christians need today, a unity that is so important for the church, incredibly important. You know, another phrase that describes being in one accord is rush along in unison like marching to the beat of the same music. And immediately I thought, when our boys were in high school, they were in the marching band. And we followed them everywhere as they were in the marching band. And they would watch them run up and down these formations and all this stuff. It was really cool. 
And it's no coincidence that my wife's, one of my wife's favorite movies is Drumline, where the young boy goes to a college and he's trying to get involved with the drumline and stuff like that. In fact, it was just on the other day. We had to watch it because she loves that movie. But you see them all moving around, moving, and their motto was one voice, one band, one sound. You know, and they're all excited about that. And they moved. Well, can you imagine? Can you imagine us? Can you imagine us as we are in Christ Jesus, sharing the same Jesus, drinking from the same spring, drinking from the same water, being energized by the same life source? We should freely feel like we can move along to the same beat, all walking together in the same beat. One heart, the heart of Christ. One voice, the voice of Christ. As the church moves in boldness and moves in peace. Amos 3.3 tells us, can two walk together unless they agree? Our unity means we agree. And unless we develop a proper reason for unity, we will never be truly unified. We need a proper reason for unity. What a better reason than Jesus Christ. What a better reason. You know, those baseball teams were united that night. And as I said, they're going to turn on each other because one of them is going to have to lose. One team's going to have to not be world champions. One team's going to come that close. And they'll turn on each other. Somebody will stick a microphone in somebody's face and they'll turn. Well, you know, they'll say some things. It'll be derogatory. And their unity will be lost. Remember when we studied Philippians? Remember when we studied that wonderful book of joy? And we read in chapter 2, verses 1 to 5, Paul says, Fulfill my joy, Philippians. Make my joy complete by being like-minded. Have the same love for one another. Being of one accord. And I put in parentheses, be of the same passion. Be of one mind. Paul continues and says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but for the interest of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Unity. This is what it means to be of one accord. And the Apostle Paul described it for us perfectly. Thinking of others, not yourself. The key to unity and walking in unity, humility. Jesus is the focus and the only basis for our unity. He's our focus and he's our model. Those baseball players running onto the field that night had a single purpose, but it was to make themselves look good. They wanted to get in the mix. They wanted to be on camera. I didn't see many of them going out there and going, no, let's make peace. They were all wanting to puff up and push each other around. They had no cause. It was just the opposite of what we're talking about tonight. Remember our anachronism at the end of Philippians for joy? J, Jesus first, others next, and why yourself last. J, Jesus first. O, others next. Y, yourself last. Joy. The submissive mind that we talked about. The submissive mind in Christ. Some problems arise at this point, however. Some of the modern Christian movements today are attracting attention and are quite troubling. It seems that some are willing to settle for a lesser form of unity without really considering what the cost of that unity is. I don't believe that Jesus would want us to abandon the truth of the Scriptures for the sake of unity. Let me say that one more time. I don't think that Jesus would want us to abandon the truth of the Scriptures for the sake of unity. Unity without truth is not unity. It's compromise. We must be careful not to compromise the truth for the supposed sake of unity. There's danger when a church does that, and there's always been danger when a church does that, and we should not be a part of those movements. 
We're watching this repeatedly with our friends, our families, our co-workers. Churches are dividing over this very issue, truth versus unity. This will only result in the weakening of the church of God. Throughout the world, we've seen churches bow their knee to this temptation. A healthy group of believers allow this new teaching to come in, and the next thing, they've got it from down the street, and the next thing, they're like, what happened here? There's an infiltration in the world. This new teaching has absolutely no biblical sense, but they justify it by saying, everybody else is doing it. When you came home and said, Mom, can I go with the guys? And they say no, and you said, but everybody else is going, what'd she say? If they all jumped off a bridge, would you jump off too? So that everybody else is doing it, that's a wash. Come on. That's a wash. We don't want to do that. We cannot bow to this compromise. We cannot bow to the pressures to conform to the outside, regardless of what it looks like. But they have so many numbers over there. Yes, but they've compromised the truth for unity. They're not preaching the truth, which is the Word of God. My prayer is that we will never compromise truth for unity. We will never leave the Word of God because that's where the truth can be found and that's where true oneness is, the Word of God, which is Jesus Christ. And we will not leave that, at least as long as I'm here. We will not leave that guidance. Because the ultimate end of this is more compromise, the ultimate more compromise is weakness, and the ultimate end of that is destruction. When division occurs, it's usually because one of us thinks with a self-centered mind. We think opposite to the mind of Christ. It happens when we think of ourselves or how can I benefit from this. Then I'm not thinking like Christ. The early church had this mind of Christ, and they were giving one to another in all humility, in all oneness. It's true when we study Acts 5, however, there was a problem here. Ananias and Sapphira, they came and they were a threat to this harmony. They were a threat to this harmony because they were deceiving the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit dealt with it immediately. They were not walking in the truth, and the end result was their death. When we are tempted to follow these exalted, unbiblical teachings, or when we begin that we think that we might be the greatest in the kingdom, we should apply the mind of Christ to those temptations. The mind of humility will submit to others and the Word of God. The mind of Christ is humble and submissive. If we can bring our thoughts into the obedience of Christ with all humility, we will enjoy peace. We will enjoy harmony. We will enjoy unity, and we will be together in one accord. And that's what he's talking about. So far, we've looked at these believers in one accord in obedience. We looked at them as they were in one accord in fellowship. And finally, we want to look at them as they were one accord in prayer. Look at verse 14. They continued in one accord in prayer and supplication with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus and his brothers. Now, there are several interesting things in this verse that we need to mention, first of all. First, we see Mary, Jesus' mother. Make a note of it. This is the last time she's mentioned in the Word of God. At no time is she mentioned as being ascended into heaven, and at no time is she mentioned as an intercessor of our prayers. Never. Here we see her just as a person sitting with the other group of believers in all humility and oneness with the other believers. I'm not taking a cheap shot at Mary. The Bible says she's blessed, and she was. She's the mother of our Lord, and she is blessed. However, the Bible does not elevate her to a big status, nor should we. There's also mentions of Jesus' brother. That dispels the rumor that Jesus didn't have any brothers or sisters, because it clearly mentions Jesus' brothers right here in Scripture. His brothers didn't believe in Jesus when he walked on the earth. 
Look at John 7, verse 5. His brothers didn't believe in his miracles. His brothers didn't believe in them. But here they are with this group, and they're being mentioned with this group because now they become believers. And we do know that Jesus' brother James did become the leader of the church. And we're going to study about that later on when we get that part of Acts. He did become the leader of a church. But our focus in this verse is being in one accord in prayer and supplication. Being of one accord in prayer and supplication. Why? Prayer unites us. Prayer unites us. It's always a good time to pray. And it's always a great time to pray with someone else. Prayer offered together with your friends and prayer offered with someone that you're struggling with, that really unites you. And the struggles are gone and there's peace in the midst. Prayer offered together with your friends or even people you're struggling with can produce amazing results. And we are witnesses of some amazing results right here in this church by prayer and prayer alone. We've had healings. We've had things happen. We've had restoration of lives. We've had salvation. We've had miracles happen right in our midst. All because of prayer. And if there's one thing I love about this church, it's a praying church. This church loves to pray. We love to pray. I mean, we pray before everything we do. We pray before service. The worship team prays before they practice. We pray on Thursday morning with the men. Anytime the men and women are together, there's prayer. Anytime we're together with brothers, prayer comes up. This is a praying church. And there is unity and strength in prayer. We have prayer after our services on Wednesday night. When we pray for anything, we take all prayer requests and we lift up the name and the prayer request to Jesus, knowing that he hears. There's unity in our prayers. We read that the apostles continued in one accord in prayer and supplication. These early saints had the same passion for prayer. They loved to pray. And one of the reasons they prayed is because their prayers were being answered. That was exciting. It was encouraging. They'd pray for something and their prayers were being answered. You know, I always scratch my head at some of the things that they did that early church. I do. I scratch my head to this day. They're standing before the Sanhedrin. They're standing before the council. The council's saying, don't talk about Jesus Christ. Don't be preaching this name. And to show you we mean business, we're going to have you flogged. So they take him in the back room, beat the snot out of him, and the scripture says they come out of there praising worthy that they were worthy to be suffer for Jesus Christ. They get back to the house. What do they do? Pray for boldness so they can go back out. I love that. That's, that's incredible. These guys were praying for boldness, and the Lord was answering their prayers. And as we go through the book of Acts, we are going to see miracle after miracle after miracle of what the Lord can do when a group gets together and prays. When a group gets together, leaves all differences aside, they present themselves as one, one body, and they lift up the name of Jesus, and they pray to him with all prayer and supplication. Well, when you come before the Lord and you pray, and you present your petitions, that's prayer. But then when you come and you earnestly pray and you continually pray, that becomes a supplication. You really want this in your life. You really have to have this. See, we have the same Lord who hears us all alike. When you pray, you pray to the same Lord. It's the nature of prayer for us to agree with each other, and it's a spiritual issue. And this strikes a common core, and this creates unity. The early church was a praying church. The early church met often together and prayed that they would get a glimpse of Jesus. They saw things happening that were exciting in their lives. The early church had an expectation that Jesus would answer their prayers. And my question is, do you? When you pray, do you have an expectation that he's going to answer your prayers? Because we have all the promises in his word that he not only hears your prayers, but that he answers your prayers. So my challenge is to you, continue to pray. 
Continue to pray until you get an answer. Even if the answer isn't what you want, continue to pray. Continue to pray until God says, stop praying, and gives you an answer. This should lighten up the ears of those of you that have prodigals. Those of you that have children that are wayward, that are off somewhere in the faith, continue to pray until God says, stop, they're saved, they're mine. Continue to pray. Pray for healings. Pray for the needs that you have. Prayer with all supplication. Pray with an expectant heart. Pray and realize that you're talking to the creator of the universe. Is anything too hard for God? Is anything too difficult for God to accomplish in our lives? We're talking to the person that spoke and the world became. How can anything be too difficult for him? But yet we're limited because of our mindset. We think, well, I really shouldn't put this before the Lord. No, put it before the Lord. He answers all prayers, big and small. You know, I always joke about it. You know, they're on the Titanic. We're sinking. Let's pray. Has it come to that? Oh, my gosh, we must really be in trouble. No, the first thing we should do is pray, not the last thing we should do. Pray first. Everything else is going to fall in line. Pray with expectant heart. If God didn't want us to pray, he wouldn't bid us to pray in the Bible. He wouldn't tell us to pray. In Luke 11, verse 9, he says this. Jesus says this. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. This is continually asking, seeking, and knocking. The Lord wants us to pray for what we have in need. He wants us to ask. He wants us to ask. James puts it even better than all of us in verse 2 of chapter 4. And James says, you don't have because you don't ask. It's exactly what James says. You have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you ask amiss. We pray in faith. And God wants to deliver you and show you. This is a clear model for consistent prayer all throughout the book of Acts. These people were consistent at it. You'll find time and time again that they're going to prayer regardless of what's happening. They're even praying so hard for Peter's release that they don't want to stop praying when Peter's knocking at the door. They're all gathered around praying, Lord, please, Peter's going to die. Please, release him, release him. And all of a sudden, Peter, chains fall off, doors open, and he walks out of prison like nobody sees him. He comes to the door and knocks on the door. Little girl's answer says, go away, we're praying for Peter. I'm Peter. No, 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 go away, we're praying. And they want, and they continue praying. That's how much they wanted to pray. That's how much they didn't want to be interrupted when they were praying. And Peter's standing before them. Continually ask. They stayed until their prayers were answered. They stayed until the Lord gave them what they needed, what they wanted. And if you look at their prayers, most of the time they were asking to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Most of the time they were asking for boldness to share the gospel message. Yes, they asked for healings. Yes, they did miraculous things through healings and stuff like that. But most of the time when they're asking Jesus what they want, more of Him, more of Jesus. And I've challenged you this before a long time ago. Get a prayer list. Make a giant prayer list. But before you use that list, start getting alone someplace and just start worshiping the Lord. Just start telling Him how much you love Him and how much you just love being in His presence. And I guarantee you, this list will go away. You'll just sit there. You won't even think about it because you'll be in the presence of the Lord. And He will show you miraculous things. It's okay to pray your prayer list. It's okay to pray for someone every single day. Don't think, you don't, don't think, well, I don't have enough faith. I keep praying the same prayer. No, it's biblical. It's biblical to keep praying the same prayer. Remember the parable of the judge and the lady. The lady kept on asking the judge, make a decision, make a decision, make a decision. Jesus was using this parable as a model of prayer. And finally the judge says, enough, enough. Stop bothering, I'll make a decision. Jesus says, that's how we should pray. That's how we should pray. 
See what the Lord will do. See what the Lord will do in your life. See what the Lord will do in a group of believers just gathering with one purpose, with one mind, the mind of Jesus Christ, with one thing on their hearts, to open it up to Jesus Christ and get anything he has. Don't be afraid of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. If God wants you to have them, wouldn't you want to have them? Don't be afraid of them. It's how we use them that makes people afraid of them. It's how they're used. But there's clear guidance in the book of God in 1 Corinthians 12. Clear guidance on how to use the gifts. Clear guidance. Don't be afraid. If God wanted you to have it, hey, you want it. That's why I said before, man. When I, I said this at the table while we were praying. I'm greedy when it comes to God. I want everything he wants for me. I want it all. Everything he wants me to have, I want it. I'd love to have that, Lord. Yes. The early church was in unity. The early church was in one accord. The believers were in unity. They were in one accord because they obeyed the commands of the Lord. They obeyed the word of God. They're in unity in their fellowship because they loved each other. People being submissive one to another. There was a unity there. I'm thinking more of you. You're thinking more of me. And we're both at a great plane here in our lives. There was unity in the early church because they prayed together. They were in prayer and supplication. They continued in prayer and supplication. And they wouldn't stop until their prayers were answered. And God answered their prayers. That's the kind of church God designed. That's the kind of church that God wants us to have. Wouldn't we want that kind of church? Wouldn't that be the kind of church that you would want to go to? Knowing that the Lord was there. And knowing that we were in one accord. We were like-minded. Come on, we all want to be accepted. Don't you want to go someplace where everybody knows your name? I mean, you want to be in that place. You want to be a place where you're loved and you feel loved because the joy of the Lord is overflowing and touching our hearts. That's the kind of church I want. That's the kind of church I want to be involved in. That's the kind of church that draws people in because the Lord's here. And I want to go to your church. You've got something special going on. I know what we got is Jesus. We don't have bells and whistles. We don't have banners. We don't have people swinging from rope from the ceiling. We don't have any of that kind of stuff. We have Jesus. We have Jesus Christ. John and Peter go to the gate beautiful in chapter 3 of Acts. We'll get there one of these days. They go in the gate beautiful, and they're walking up the gate beautiful. There's this guy sitting there, been there a long time. He's lame, got a little thing there. He's looking for alms. Scripture says they walked up and they looked down there. And the key was the guy looked back at them expecting to receive something. He had an expectant heart. He was expecting to receive something. He thought it was going to be money. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, reaches down and grabs the guy's lapels and says, silver and gold I don't have, but in the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And the words that Luke described when he lifted that man up said that his bones in his feet rearranged themselves so that he could walk. Because they were of one accord. Because they were of like mind. Because they were of Christ. And they were one in Christ. I don't have anything to give you, people, except Jesus Christ. And Him I gladly give. Please, please, gladly receive. You are the stories you've been hearing about Peter, Paul, Stephen, and the many other followers of Jesus are meant to inspire you and encourage you. These brave people lived long ago and had the privilege of seeing the gospel message spread from its point of origin, Jesus himself. Their testimony and diligence in spreading the good news of hope and new life changed hearts and saved countless people. 
and continues on even today through the writings in Acts and the rest of the New Testament. However, the lives you were studying weren't without trial. Each disciple of Jesus faced persecution in some form, yet it never swayed them to abandon their faith. What difficulties are you facing for Jesus now? Don't lose heart. Remember that you're sharing the truth and that the truth can set people free. You have the Savior of the world on your side, and He will stand with you through every trial and triumph. We're so glad you joined us for today's edition of Assure Hope as we continue to study the book of Acts with Pastor Dave Shank. If you'd like to listen to more teachings, we invite you to visit our website, assurehoperadio.com. Feel free to download and share Pastor Dave's teachings or subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Are you in the Cape May area? If so, we want to meet you. Come join us this Sunday at 10 a.m. at Calvary Chapel, Cape May to learn more from the Word, sing praises to your Lord, and fellowship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Find out more at assurehoperadio.com. Thanks for joining us today on Assure Hope. Rescued us.